Well, good morning, everybody. You might be wondering why I look like this. It's because I know you are wondering what Chick-fil-A people do on Sunday. Now you know. No, I'm just kidding. Darian said she wanted for Halloween, she wanted to dress up as Christians. So this is the best we could do. No, in all seriousness, I needed any excuse I could to get Arlo dressed in a cow outfit, and I will do whatever it takes to do it. So there you go. There's our, there's our get up. I've never preached in a hat. I don't think I want to start today. So. so today, I'm excited that we are launching into a brand new sermon series called Marriage Matters. Marriage Matters. Now, I don't know if you've noticed over the past few years, decades even, that marriages are struggling all over the place. Maybe this is something that hits close to home to you in your own marriage. Maybe it's marriages that you're seeing it with your coworkers or marriages with your neighbors, marriages falling apart. And I'll be blunt right here at the beginning. I do not think this is acceptable to God. I don't think this is how God designed marriages to be, that he has something so much better in store for us than broken marriages, which is why for the next three weeks in the sermon series, we are going to be investing into the lives of those who will one day be married. We'll be investing in the lives of those who are newly married and are going through the first few years of having a spouse and being a spouse. We want to invest into the lives of those who've been married for quite a few years but are going through tides of change, and we want to invest into those who have been married longer than I have been alive. We want to invest in our marriages. Our goal in this series is to equip you, to equip your marriage to become everything God wants them to become so that we can honor God through our marriages. To start us off, I need some help. Uh, I'm going to ask for the ladies' help first. All I need in your help is a raise of hands and for you to be honest with me in this exercise. So ladies, whenever you were a young girl or a young woman, how many of you dreamed of finding that perfect guy, having a wonderful little wedding, buying a home together, and starting a family? How many of you had that dream? Okay, you can look around. You can see you're certainly not alone. Okay, guys, it's your turn. I need your help with this. I need you to be honest. How many of you men... You dreamed that when you got married, you would have sex two times a day. You're the honest ones. Thank you. Many of us are still dreaming. We're still dreaming of the idealized marriage, what we think it should look like, what we hope it would look like, and what we find ourselves doing is comparing it to how it actually is. How it actually is. It's interesting how sometimes our expectations, our hope of marriage, seem to fall short than what they actually turn out to be, at least our perception of it. That's why I think so many marriages are failing today. Today's Halloween, so here's a scary statistic for you. 50, it depends on whatever study you read, but a ballpark average is that 50% of marriages don't make it. 50% of marriages do not make it. That is horrifying. That is horrifying. I mean, think about it. Carry that logic to any other part of your life that's important. If any other thing that has important in your life, if there's a 50% chance of losing that thing, don't you think you would take some preparation for it? 
You would do some diligent thinking. You would do some drastic changes. You would do everything in your power to eliminate the risk. I mean, carry it to any other aspect. Let's just have fun with it. Imagine that there was a 50% chance that you were going to be attacked by a bear going to get your mail. At the mailbox, a bear, you have 50% chance of being mauled by a bear. Don't you think you are going to take precautions before you go outside and get your mail? You're going to deck out an armor. You're going to carry a weapon. You're going to make sure the coast is clear, right? You're going to... We're, I imagine we would have developed something by now, like a pulley system, or no, no, even better, like the post office, when you put your mail in that little tube and it whoop, it just like disappears and it comes back, that's what our mailing system would look like. Imagine if I told you that there is a 50% chance on your drive home today you're going to get in a car accident. Don't you think some things would change? You certainly would wear your seatbelt leaving here today. You might take a different route to avoid traffic. You certainly would be more precautious as you drove. You'd be more aware of what's happening around you. And yet, our most sacred relationship, there's a 50% chance that it's not going to last. Something's not working. Something isn't working. And I would argue that the reason marriages are struggling is because so many people are not spiritually prepared to live out a marriage that honors God. Which begs the question, is a great God-honoring marriage even possible in today's world? And I look around this room, and I see some of the marriages that are sitting just here in this room, and I say an absolute resounding yes. Yes, 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 yes. In fact, I would even dare to say, no, I know for a fact I am not the most qualified person to stand up here and talk to you about what it means to have a lasting marriage. I know that. I know I don't have quality. In fact, if you are a young person and you are thinking about getting married or you someday want to get married, it would do you great benefit. It would pour into your marriage to invest and take somebody in here who's been married for longer than the two of you have been alive combined and ask them what it means to have a lasting marriage today. They will give you far more insight than I ever could, but I'll do my best because here's what I know. If you follow the path that so many people are following today, you will not have a marriage that matters. That is why we are investing time as a church over the next three weeks to pour into our marriages because we believe at this church, your marriage, it matters. It matters. It matters. And I want you to believe that as well. I want to give credit before I dive in to uh, Craig Rochelle at Life Church. They did a series a few years back called The Vow. And some of the content from that series has been adapted to form into this series. So if marriage matters to you, if marriage really matters to you, then three things must also matter. And they are the three things we are going to be talking about in this series. So today, if marriage matters to you, then priority must matter. Priority. You must establish the priorities in your life, in your relationship, and that's going to establish a firm foundation for a marriage that matters. That's what we're going to talk about today. Next week, we're going to have crazy fun, and we're going to be talking about if marriage matters, then pursuit must matter. How can you pursue your spouse even after you already have them? Pursuit must matter. And then I hear Tracy's eventually going to get home from his vacation, and when he does, he's going to close out this series telling us why purity matters. Because here's why this one is so important. Wherever secrecy lives in a relationship, Wherever secrecy lives in a marriage, intimacy dies. 
So Tracy's going to close us out talking about purity and why it matters. I want to start today talking about a very common belief in today's world. It's a belief that our kids are learning through Disney movies and fairy tales. It's a belief that is being solidified through Hallmark shows, which men, they're about to make a comeback. Here they come. It's being solidified in any other medium of literature, any storytelling. It's a common belief that you will have fulfillment in your life if you can meet the one. If you can meet the one. If you can meet the one, then you will finally be happy. Then your life will finally be fulfilled. All you need to do is find the one. You need to find the one. If you want your life to have meaning, because we're just meaningless blobs bouncing around the world, if we don't find the one, that's the belief. You need to find your one, the one that gives you goosebumps every time they wrap you in a hug or grab your hand, the one who makes all the love songs on the radio make sense, like they are your sweet Caroline, right? All of it, if you can find the one. Common belief is, if you can find the one, then my life will be fulfilled. I have a goal today. Here's my single goal, is I want to change somebody's phrase this morning. I want to change your phrase. So whenever you leave here and you go to 14 Bones, or you leave here and you go to Sunny's, because I recognize we live in a house divided, whenever you go to your barbecue joint of choice, a different phrase will be rolling through your mind. I want to change your phrase. If you are here this morning and you are looking at your spouse, I don't want you saying, I have found my one. I don't want you saying that. I want to change your phrase. If you're here this morning and you look at, uh, or you look at the future, your prospects, and you say, man, I can't wait until I can find my one. I want to change your phrase. I don't want you looking for your one. I want you looking for your two. Your two. If you're married this morning or engaged, I want you to look at your significant other and say, you're my two. Go ahead. You're my two. Baby, wherever you are, you're my two. Go ahead. You're my two. Why are we so excited about our two? Because God is your one, and your spouse is your two. Even Jesus said this as clearly as he could in the greatest commandment, right? Above anything else, above anything else, above your spouse, above your friends, above your phone, above your career, above your popularity, above everything else, you must love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. You love God because God is your priority. That's your priority. And to really have a marriage that honors God, we have to put God first in our relationship. And we have to put our spouse as our number two. And if we believe marriage matters, or if we one day want to be in a marriage that matters, then we need to blast this phrase on repeat. Or if you're looking, if you're, if you're looking, you're single, you don't know what, what God has in store for you, I have a redacted version of this Instead, it says, I will seek my one while he prepares me for my two. I will seek my one while he prepares me for my two. I have a story for everybody who's single in here. It's a true story. It's not a preacher story. It's a true story that I heard. It's of a young woman who, who went to church all through high school, was really invested in her faith, went off to a state school, and got involved in the wrong crowd. She started partying on the weekends, getting drunk almost every time, and over time, things began to slip away. Her faith began to slip. Her grades began to slip. Her scholarship began to slip because she was so invested in the party life. So 
She's at this party one weekend, and she meets a young man at this party. Now, he's not like anybody else at the party or any other party she's been to. He hasn't been drinking. She comes to find out, actually, he is only there because of a friend invited him. He's completely out of his element. He stands up straight. He talks kind to her. And they actually connect because he has, he's a godly man. He has a faith, and they actually connect on that point. Party ends. She has a hangover the next morning. When it finally clears, she wakes up and she calls her mom because that's the one thing that hasn't slipped away. So she's talking to her mom about this amazing guy that she met. She's so excited. Could he be the one? And without missing the beat, her mother said, Honey, you are not the kind of girl that a godly guy is looking for. (laughs) Wow, you go, Mom, I guess. Andy Stanley says it this way. Become the person you are looking for is looking for. Become the person you are looking for is looking for. In other words, I'm going to seek my one. I'm going to live for God. My whole life is going to be devoted to him. He is my king. He is first in my life. He is my number one priority. And while he may be preparing me for my two so that I can serve my one with my two, until that moment comes, I am invested and he is always my one. I will seek my one while he prepares me for my two. Or if you're already married, I haven't forgotten about you. We're in this, we're still in this fight together. I will seek my one so that I can better serve my two. And that idea comes from Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, to set the context. God makes the first human, Adam. He's living in the garden alone, certainly not how God designed it to be. And God even says, this isn't good like the rest of creation. So Adam is given a partner, a suitable partner, Eve. And it says this, therefore, a man leaves his father and mother and cleaves, he joins together with his wife. They become one flesh. Now, highlighting the word leaves there, it comes from the root word azab, which simply means to loosen or relinquish. In other words, when you're growing up, your priority is mom and dad. Your priority is mom and dad. They are the ones that you are invested in. But the moment that you join into a covenant relationship with your spouse, those priorities, they change. They change. The priority changes. My son Arlo, his priority is me and his mom, Darian. But the moment he finds a spouse, his priorities are going to change. If you listen closely, you can hear a mother's heart breaking. Do you hear it? His priorities will change. They will change. But here is where the problem happens, right here, is that we believe in this lie that I have to find my one in order to be happy. I need to find my one in order to be fulfilled. And what we do is we find that one, we find that spouse, we're joined in marriage, and then we elevate them to our number one slot. And we slowly, maybe not even knowing we're doing it, we begin to push God out of the equation in elevating our one to do things that only God, to satisfy us, to give us happiness, to give us fulfillment that only God can provide. Whenever your current spouse or your future spouse becomes your one, becomes your priority, you do two things. You idolize them and then you demonize them. You idolize them. Man, he's so laid back. He's so easygoing. He's just so easy to talk to. He doesn't have a strong opinion on anything, so easy to get along. You idolize him, and then you demonize him. 
Man, I wish you would have an opinion. I wish you would do something. Sit on your lazy bum all day. Go out and mow the lawn or something. You idolize and you demonize. Man, she's so driven. She's so energetic. She's so organized. She's so amazing. And then you demonize. She's going to drive me crazy. I need to be set free from her, right? You idolize and you demonize. And the problem is you're asking your spouse, whatever situation you find yourself in, you're asking your spouse to meet a need they weren't designed to meet. You're asking your spouse to meet a need they were not designed to meet. They're not designed to give you fulfillment. They're not designed to give you true, genuine, lasting happiness. God is your one. He needs to be your first priority, not your spouse. And God has legitimate jealousy over you. God is obsessed with you. And the reason he is, because he knows if you can elevate him to your one, you will both better serve him and you will better serve your spouse. But God has to be first. He has to be before your spouse. God has to be before your kids. God has to be before your career. God has to be before your phone. God has to be before your friends. God has to be your one so that you can better serve your two. I want to give you one big thought this morning. One thought. It's a simple thought, and I want to introduce it to you this way. The things that destroy many marriages are not bad things. The things that destroy many marriages are not bad things. In fact, it's often good things that are not prioritized correctly in our life that wedge their way into our marriages. Which is why we must, you must, protect your priorities. You have to protect your priorities. If you're planning to be married in the future, you might as well embrace it today that God will always be your one and your spouse will always be your two. That God has to be your number one, your first priority, and your spouse has to be your second priority. And if you're married today, I haven't forgotten you, and you're struggling in your marriage in any way, I can almost guarantee the root cause goes back to either God isn't your one or your spouse isn't your two. But here's the beauty of the solution. You ready? How you can establish and seal your top two priorities with one simple focus. If you want your marriage to grow, if you want a marriage that matters, you have to serve God together. You have to do it together. Serve in the church together. Seek him out first every day together. Pray together. Be centered around God's word. Seek Jesus together. Prioritize your one together so that you can better serve your two. I want to get super, super practical with you all. Protecting your priorities means that you will have to say no to many good things, even great things, in order to say yes to the best things. For example, do not be child-centered in your marriage. Children are wonderful things. They are a gift from God. But if you want to love your kids well, you have to prioritize your marriage first. If you want to give your best to your kids, then you have to be invested in your marriage first. Children are temporary assignments. So are careers. So is status. So is wealth. Temporary assignments. Your marriage is a lifelong commitment. It's a lifelong commitment. And if you want your children to succeed in their marriage, then you have to model what a successful marriage looks like. 
And now I want to get super, super practical as we close out this morning. I want to get super practical with all the men here this morning. Because I'm a male, and this is who I can speak the clearest to. Men, I want to charge you to take responsibility to protect your priorities. To protect your one and to protect your two. To protect them. Why? Because you are protectors. It's who we are. It's what we are wired to be. Gentlemen, let me ask you this. If somebody breaks into your home and threatens to hurt your family, how many of you in some capacity are going to fight back? Something. You'll do something to fight back. Yeah, thank you. Okay, there's some hands. Yeah, you're going to do something to fight back. Some capacity. You could be in your whitey-tidy underwear, and you will become a fierce tiger if someone comes after your family. Everything becomes a weapon. Nunchucks, baseball bats, baby strollers. It doesn't matter. If you come at my family, I'm going to protect them. You will have to kill me before you get to them, before I stop fighting. Why? Because we're protectors. We're wired for it. It's easy for us to do because we'll die for the things that we love. We'll do it. But men, God doesn't just want you to die for the things that you love. He wants you to live for them too. He wants you to live for them every single day. In fact, men, we've been charged by God to give our best, to give our best to two things, to Christ and our wife. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And now, speaking to everybody in the room, protect your priorities at all costs. Protect them. What does that mean? It means keeping God first and always keeping him first. We become people of the church. We bring our families to church. We serve through the church. We become people of God's word. Every single day, we're invested in it. We become people of prayer, not just alone. We pray with our spouse. We pray with our children. We pray as a family. We model what this time of life looks like to our children. This is what being a follower of Jesus looks like today. We model that. We keep God first. And number two, you keep your spouse at number two. You don't elevate them in priority over God and over your need to seek him first, but you also don't lower them under other good things like children or careers. Talk with your spouse every day. Listen to them with your full attention. Date them completely distraction-free, not distracted by the kids, not distracted by your friends, not distracted by your phone. Date them and be fully present. And if you don't know where to do that, go buy a cheap hotel somewhere. If you can't afford a cheap hotel, go pitch a tent in the yard. Darian and I actually did both of those in one weekend. We went camping and got caught in a tornado. Our tent went by, and so we had to rent a cheap hotel to survive the night, right? Make memories. Share stories with your kids because love makes a way. Love makes a way. Love makes a way in marriages that matter. So what are you going to do? You're going to protect the priorities at all costs. Why? Because we can never be fulfilled in life until we meet the one. And I don't mean your spouse. God is your one. Your spouse is your two. And I'll protect those priorities with everything in me. And if you can start there, then the foundation has been laid for a marriage that matters. Let's pray. God, we believe marriages matter. That the marriages in this room, they matter. 
that the future marriages that are in this room, they matter. They matter for our children and future generations. They matter for our neighborhoods and our workplaces. They matter for the Christian community, for our nation, for the world. They matter. And God, we are terrified at that 50% statistic. God, do not let us fall into the trap of not caring for the thing that matters, not nurturing it and preparing protecting it. But God, we, we recognize that protecting our two means we, we must set our one on you. That we are fully invested in our relationship with you first. That we are committed in our walk with you over anything else so that we can better serve our two and our children, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, because marriage matters. God, thank you for the people in this room, the legacies of marriage that rest between these walls, the ones I've learned so much from and the ones I can't wait to learn something from. God, I pray for all the marriages, the ones now and the ones to come, that they will be images of you and your church, that they will be sacrificial, full of love, that the priorities will be set properly, the pursuit will live, and the purity will remain. We say this prayer in the name of our Savior Jesus, who we give it all to. Amen.